Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey Jeff, so do you think we've reached a new level of innovation or laziness now that you can just pay a stranger to take care of your pets? Isn't that how marriages begin? Today, we're talking about Rover, an online marketplace for pet services. Yes. So Jeff and I are in love with marketplaces. (laughs) Um, I think this is number three in a row, but Rover is yet another marketplace. Rover offers a marketplace for pet owners and pet lovers uh, looking to make a buck. So the pet lovers that are looking to make a buck can offer different services from dog walking to house sitting. Uh, Rover primarily operates uh, in the U.S., but they also have an international presence. They're they're in Canada and eight other countries, uh, mostly in Europe. So some of the services that Rover you know offers to customers are boarding. So if you want to have your house, or sorry, have your you know dog, it's basically a like dog hotel. I think it's the easiest way to <laughs> yeah. you know describe boarding. Uh, house sitting, where someone actually comes to your house and checks in on your uh, your pet, and this is dogs or cats. I actually didn't get far enough down the app to see if they do lizards and all sorts of other stuff. But <laughs> fish? I, fish? <laughs> yeah, right. I need someone to... to just bring to, it in a bowl or a bag. <laughs> exactly. The third service that Rover offers is dog walking. Very self-explanatory. Uh, they also have doggy daycare. So there's actually some places that... Or some homes that have daycares where dogs will come from eight to five when mom and dad are at work and someone needs to watch the dog. It feels like such a millennial sentence just saying that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, And then the last service that Rover offers offers is drop-in visits. So if you are, you know, I think this is more for cat owners. So if you have a cat and you're away for a long trip, someone can drop in and, you know, make sure that your beloved cat is still sassy as ever and and well-fed. You come um, in and they're just like clawed up furniture <laughs> and like stuffing everywhere. Like, exactly. She's still alive. <laughs> still doing cat things. You're just being a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> but we love our cats. So Rover's business model is just like any other marketplace. Um, so they have you know the two different sides of it. So I think the big key to Rover is customer trust. So they offer and advertise something called booking protection. So if you, the customer, are looking to, you know, have dog sitting or any kind of services, the people offering the services have to give 14 days notice on a holiday if they're not going to be able to fulfill that service mm-hmm. or else there's heavy fees and uh, Rover gets in with a, a customer promise. And then for the rest of the year, it's it's seven days warning. So I actually really like that because... That would be my biggest fear as a pet owner of just like, hey, if I'm going away for Memorial Day weekend, is someone actually going to be there? And it, you're kind of, you know, up the creek without a paddle, as they say, mm. if someone cancels last minute. Looking at Rover's, you know, the percentage of services, sorry, if you look at the percentage of service fees that Rover takes, uh, it's about 15% all the way up to 20% for each transaction. So that feels like a very standard yeah, you know, service fee for, mm-hmm. exactly. And then if you look at the services, like if you just like break down the prices here. So if you want a 30-minute dog walk, it's about $20. And then when I was looking up for my zip code, uh, it showed boarding costs of roughly $30 to $75 a night for a 25 to 40-pound dog. So to me, that, that feels reasonable. It feels like a very cheap motel that I would not stay in for $30 to $75, but I have no context for how much it actually costs to, <laughs> to, to board a dog. So Jeff, I don't know if you have any experience. Not specifically with Rover. I actually wanted to talk about this a bit. So I am a dog owner. And Mike, you've had a cat before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Have you ever owned a dog by any chance? Or is it only no. been cats? 
Up um, to this point, it's my life's biggest regret. Hey, man, you're still young. You can still you can still adopt a dog. Um, <laughs> Don't let your dreams be dreams. <laughs> and especially during COVID, which is a good time to adopt a dog, I think. I, I actually, so one small anecdote. So I heard that COVID cleared out all the shelters, which is fantastic. A bunch of people were adopting dogs. It's an awesome thing. But also, unfortunately, it had the highest return rate because people were going back to work sooner than they realized, or maybe they were just hoping that the companies would adopt some full remote policy, and they're not. So a lot of people were returning dogs to shelters, which is really sad. Do not adopt a dog if you don't think that you can make the commitment. It's it's really, really sad. So uh, aside from that anecdote, yeah, I have never used Rover. Usually, I've been fortunate enough to have friends or family nearby to watch our dog, Roxy. Whenever we go off on trips, usually... It used to be my parents when I was in Atlanta with Roxy, whenever I needed somebody to watch her for, let's say, finals week during uh, when I was in school, or when we moved over to California, my wife Karen's parents would watch Roxy. We go off on longer trips, and then sometimes if they can't watch it, we'll have another friend watch Roxy at his house. So yeah, it just kind of depends. I've thought about using a pet service, especially because I don't like to inconvenience my in-laws or my friends, but at the same time, I'm mostly concerned about people that I don't know coming to my house. That's like the mm-hmm. weirdest thing to me. And I think that mental block is one main reason why I haven't adopted, for example, this idea of Amazon dropping off packages in your garage. I know that that's a service that they offer. Right. I just don't know how they can guarantee or make me feel safe about adopting this service. And a lot of the times there's a lot of other products that the technical feasibility is there and there's a way to do what you want to do, but people have a sentiment about doing that thing and it's really weird and so they don't do it. Something as simple as like getting a stranger's car was really, you know, foreign, but then people do it all the time with Uber. So there's some adoption period that people kind of have to get used to before. And it normalizes um, over time. Yeah, before like fully adopting the the idea of like having a stranger come into your house or and walk their dog or whatever. I'm, I'm much more on board with leaving Roxy at like a dog hotel than somebody coming to the house. But at the same time, I don't do that either because... I'm also worried that I don't have any visibility in that dog hotel. What goes on behind closed doors? I've heard horror stories of dog hotels like, you know, promising this luxury experience and then they just treat them like crap. So, yeah, there's just like a lot of question marks and I'm not really sure about how to best utilize a service like Rover. Totally. It, it, it makes total sense. What was it like when you had a cat? I mean, I, I know cats are generally a lot easier to take care of. If you had to leave your cat at home, how long do you think you could leave your cat unsupervised? <laughs> 20 minutes before, <laughs> before the whole house is on fire exactly like the cat with like a you know gas gallon of gasoline and the matches, matches. <laughs> just you know m&m style like trying to wait for us to leave and burn the house down no uh about four days was the limit uh when we had puff was we could basically just make sure we had fresh litter sometimes you put two trays out because cats will you know do their business anywhere if you don't leave out mm, the litter box yeah Sorry, if you don't have a clean litter box. And then we would just put, you know, a couple bowls of water in random places because cats also like are, um, I guess they're desert animals. I had no idea. Oh, and what? so they're <laughs> very particular about their uh, their water source. Um, okay. And for the food, yeah, just a big thing of food. I know it's like it varies with cats sometimes. Like you need you to- You can't free feed, yeah. Yeah, but our cat is like, was so good at just like 
nibbling whenever she was hungry. Yeah, um, auto-regulating. <laughs> exactly. It, it was funny. Like I, uh, I'm, I'm big into smart home and I, I got a wise, a smart camera that I called Puff Cam. So even when we were out for hikes, I set up like Puff Cam to just like send me a notification mm-hmm. whenever like it, it sensed movement. So it was, it was cool to see like I could just check in on like on Puff. But yeah, yeah we, we would leave for, to answer your question, we would leave for four days at a time um, without an issue. And then if it was five days, like when we were in Seattle, we actually posted on our like apartment marketplace, like just message board mm-hmm. to say, Hey, like we're, we're leaving. Can anyone like drop in on our cat? And it, one of our, one of our um, fellow apartment dwellers said, Hey, yeah, like I'd love to. So we just gave like 20 bucks or 30 bucks or something like that. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I think it's different because, you know, if it's somebody that lives in your apartment, you know where they live. So <laughs> it's like a little bit different <laughs> exactly. if something goes wrong. I mean, I guess technically there's no like legally binding thing that says like, if something, you know, God forbid happens to your animal, then they're responsible for it. But that's the thing I'm concerned about. Like, I obviously trust my friends. I trust my family. I know they have really good intentions. But because these people are on Rover, probably to make a dollar, right? Like, mm-hmm. they kind of have these competing intentions. Not to say that all the people on Rover are bad. You just don't know because some people are probably on the platform just to make an extra dollar. And maybe they're not specifically there for the the animal's best intentions it's not their pet right so it it makes sense that they wouldn't treat your pet the way that you would treat your pet so yeah for sure i mean i I think you're teasing something really interesting from like a product perspective of how do you get over the trust barrier for customers and i think that's common across like anything from like in-home deliveries all the way to like airbnb and like letting someone stay in your house and like how do you make sure you have like the right mechanisms and policies and checks and balances to to make sure that customers have peace of mind when they're using your product? It's interesting with Rover, like I mentioned, like the the booking protection, but I also saw that the Rover also offers up to like twenty five thousand dollars if you need to take the pet to the to the vet to the vet for an emergency. Mm-hmm. Rover will cover you up to twenty five uh, grand. I see. Um, so, so even if like the the pet owner won't do it, Rover will cover you. And I'm sure that there's like some sort of litigation and insurance policy that will yeah. help get it from the uh, the the owner. If so, basically the the house sitter is not on uh, on the on the hook for this. So it, it's interesting because I think the devil's in the details there of just yeah. like <laughs> making customers aware of that trust. And also like you don't want to become like Big Brother and like be overly creepy. You right. Know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It, I. It's just. I think it's a little different though, because other products that I've had to kind of get over, mostly it's material things. So for example, like getting in an Uber is kind of subjective. You're kind of worried about safety, but like I was able to adopt Venmo really quickly because I'm like, okay, yes, it's money, but I'm protected by whatever Mm -hmm. FDIC or whoever, and I can get it back. And if if I don't get the exact dollar that I sent out and I get a different dollar coming back, whatever. (laughs) But the same with the dog. Yeah. yeah, I can't like, they can't like replace my dog. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Tit for tat. Right. Like it's not the same thing. So yeah, I think that because there's such a sentimental value around like your home, your pets, we're not covering it specifically in this episode, but like, you know, babysitting or your children, it's got to be really tough to be able to trust these people to come and watch your kids or whatever. I'm not a parent, but I'm sure that when it comes time for me to become a parent and consider sitters, if I ever have to look at sitters outside of friends and family, it's going to be the same scenario. Like I'm going to have a tough time trusting Mm -hmm. some random stranger to come into my home. Um, But that was a natural thing back in the day, like, you know, way before the internet, right? To like figure out some random person, maybe it's like a friend's babysitter. You kind of hear it through word of mouth or there's some other way that you gain trust. And it's not just about testimonials and ratings. Do you feel like Rover has a 
adoption or referral problem. Like, I wonder if, because I don't know anybody that's personally used Rover that much. I feel like if I had a friend that's like, oh, I swear by Rover, I've never had any issues, they're always great. I can even recommend you this specific dog sitter. Mm-hmm. I would be much more inclined to try it out. But because I don't have any, you know, anchor point into the services that are currently offered in Rover, or like, I don't I don't know what level of service I'm going to get. I'm very hesitant to like jump head first. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like no one's going to be the first person to review a product on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, no yeah. And, and to, to your point, it's like the, uh, even if the probability is like, like tiny you know like a tenth of a percent the worst case scenario is so bad that it just like overwhelmingly puts you into the no category yeah. like i'm not going to try this and right i i don't actually have you know any anybody at least here in rochester that i would say oh yeah you go to this person for so and so like dog sitting because again for me it's always been like like word of mouth and stuff so i i know my sister lives here in rochester and she just got a uh, a dog and i'm wondering if She'll try it. So I'll be curious to watch over the next like six months or so to see if, you know, she's in grad school, like she'll have to go for, you know, long weekends and, you know, maybe someone else will, yeah, maybe she'll investigate the service there. Yeah. Yeah. We've watched other friends' dogs. Roxy, my dog is not a dog dog, <laughs> meaning that she doesn't enjoy- <laughs> She's not a dog the, person. <laughs> she doesn't enjoy the uh, the company of other dogs all that much, but we still will try to watch other people's dogs because we know how hard it is to find sitter. So we like to offer the, the option if if there's no other way. Um, you scratch mine, I'll scratch yours. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Let's talk about the history of the product. It's it's pretty simple and straightforward about how Rover came to be. But basically, the idea was originally presented at Startup Weekend in Seattle in 2011, and it won first place. So just a quick pause there. Yep. Like with Seattle and it's starting. Like Amazon is headquartered in Seattle, and Amazon has a pro dog office, so anyone can bring their dog into the office. So. Mm. That feels like a very fitting place for yeah. it to start. Yeah, <laughs> that is really interesting. I'm sure that um, it's top of mind. And the success of Rover probably tied into where it started, like, geographically. And that's like, here's an anecdote, too, which is people have talked about why Silicon Valley has been such a great place to start tech products. And what I've heard over and over is that other cities, the culture is always, this is never going to work. Um, and you have to prove, you have to go, like, way above and beyond to prove that it works. But in Silicon Valley, and I'm sure in this case um, in Seattle, and you know, it, it also started in Portland, the sentiment is opposite, which is, I believe it's going to work until it doesn't. So mm. they give you the benefit of the doubt, and people just basically go and just assume that it's going to work until it crashes and burns in some way, shape, or form, like Theranos. But <laughs> I was just going to say, I can't wait till we do Theranos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just a completely flipped opposite culture in the Bay Area and in Silicon Valley specifically, or just tech overall, which is like, hey, we can do this until we can't, <laughs> until there's some sort of major blocker that we run into or a situation that we can't overcome. Yeah, it started in Startup Weekend. And just for people that don't know what Startup Weekend is, it's basically a hackathon that goes over the course of about 54 hours. And it culminates in like an evening Sunday presentation. It's kind of similar to Y Combinator, which we've talked about before. The main difference is Y Combinator is over like a longer period of time. And Y Combinator, the prize is usually one, the prestige. And two, it's like an actual um, investment in the company, typically of some sort of seed funding. Whereas I'm pretty sure Startup Weekend, I think there's a monetary prize, but I don't think it's like as big as like, let's say Y Combinator. Do you have any idea? No, I, I'm just picturing that the check is bigger than the dollar amount. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Five dollars, <laughs> 10 coupons to McDonald's. 
I can't um, wait till I win a check like that big. Just bring it to the bank. It's just a total side note of like, will you please cash? This? I wonder how like, much it costs to just get one of those big checks printed or purchased. I bet <laughs> it's not that much. Yeah. We should just give those things away more and more. But <laughs> it's funny because like there's a generation now that don't know what checks are. And so like when those big things get presented at like lotto winning, whatever it reveals, they're going to associate with just a lot of winning. Just like when kids nowadays, when they see the floppy disk logo, they think it just means save, but they don't understand that it's like floppy disk. It's like a different connotation for them. Totally. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a really interesting point, but you're so right. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Zoomers are weird. So the founders of Rover were Greg Gottsman, Aaron Easterly, and Philip Kimmy. Gottsman was a part of the team that originally proposed and worked on the idea during Startup Weekend. So he was actually there, you know, committed some hours towards building this thing. I think he was a developer um, on the project. After winning, he shared the idea with Easterly, who wasn't actually part of Startup Weekend, but had previously worked on other marketplace ideas. So, you know, and this was in 2011. So like marketplace ideas, we've covered Mm. a bunch of them now, but it seems like they were kind of the hot new thing back in the day. And even today, you see that there a lot of them are pretty big and that's why we've covered so many of them on the show yeah so, i wonder if like you know you know in 2010 to 2014 it was like marketplaces and like maybe now in 2021 it's like crypto it's like oh yeah like i got a new like blockchain idea yeah like, what happened to blockchain i feel like blockchain like there was a lot of talk about blockchain and maybe we'll see the blockchain company start coming to fruition in a few years but yeah i, I think, think it's probably a similar thing yeah totally i just on that point i think blockchain is just way overshadowed by uh you know the meme coins of just like Dogecoin yeah, right. and Shiba just, and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Easterly actually became the CEO and Gottsman became a board member for the company. Rover.com first started with customers in the Pacific Northwest, primarily in Seattle and Portland, which are two similarly cultured cities. In 2012, they expanded to all 50 states. So about a year after they started operation. In 2017, they acquired DogVK, which is a great name, by the way. Um, (laughs) It it was basically all stock purchase. At the time, it was reported that they did about $150 million in combined revenue for 2016. And like you mentioned, Mike, they keep about 20% in commissions, which is roughly $30 million in revenue. So it's not like earth shattering for a company that has like a ton of users, but considering it's like for a very niche group of users and it started in 2011, which isn't that long ago, I think it was pretty good success for for that level of company. Over the years, much like a lot of other online marketplaces, there's been a lot of criticism around the particular sellers of the services on the platform and how they've behaved. So in this case, Rover.com has been sued a couple of times for negligent care by sitters on the platform. We've seen the same thing happen with Airbnb and people kind of Mm -hmm. abusing the Airbnb system, whether it's renters or rentees. And then the same thing with Uber. You know, sometimes Uber drivers are bad or sometimes the the riders can be misbehaving or whatever. I'm just picturing a dog sitter like charging like like your New Year's story from Airbnb. Yeah. Like a dog sitter is charging like $20 for like a New Year's party entry to play <laughs> with puppies. It's like, I don't know. I'm sure something like that. Will I'm come just over thinking like life. you take care of a dog and then the person that needs the dog sitting is like, hey, my dog's really well behaved. It's like this really cute teacup Yorkie or something. And then they get the dog and it's like the worst dog in the world, like tears up the <laughs> entire house. And there's nothing that the sitter can do about it. Yeah, that's the way I picture it. So yeah, totally. Well, let's talk about who Rover is for. You know, I think the best way to summarize who Rover is for is it's just for pet lovers. Rover's definitely picked up steam with that audience. There's 65,000 sitters available on their platform. 
And it, it's really interesting how where we're, like you said, has been able to grow since since 2011 and be across all the states and even expand internationally. Mm-hmm. The pet owners that are looking for Rover services are just looking for flexible care for these for their loved pets. And Rover tries to fill this with product features like in the Rover app. If you go through the dog walking app specifically, you can get metrics on um your dog walk. So like the number of bathroom stops, did they pee? Did they poop? The length of the walk and other key metrics like that. And to answer your question of like why you haven't, or maybe to answer one of your fears that you've had with boarding specifically is with Rover, there's actually an in-app messaging and picture and chat with the actual dog sitter. Mm -hmm. So you can get you know, as many weekly updates or not weekly updates, but, you know, hourly updates, I imagine if you want to uh, just check in on your dog and, and make sure that, um, they haven't pulled a rug out from under you and they're making, make they're, they're, they're keeping that trust that they, they shared with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to talk about what you were kind of teasing out with like the 30 million in revenue that dog vacay was doing, I think that if you look at the U S pet market as a whole, it really shows that Americans, we love our pets. So in 2020, the U S spent a collective $104 billion on pets, um, so the roughly 40% of that was on food and treats, 22% was on supplies and medicine, 31% on veterinarian care, and 8% on quote unquote other services. And that other services includes boarding, insurance, walking, basically everything Rover offers. Mm-hmm. So Rover actually has a pretty big total addressable market that they're going after. That's about $8 billion in, in potential revenue that they could go after. So it seems like that the, there's a pretty high ceiling for, for Rover to go, go after and that they are going after with this market. And I think it's also growing extremely fast, especially as you mentioned earlier with you know, COVID-19, there's definitely been a, uh, a pet boom. Hopefully those terrible people aren't <laughs> returning their animals. That's awful, by the way. Um, yeah. But hopefully, um, or sorry, um, but as, as with the pets growing in America, so is the revenue spent on them. So in 2021, the revenue spent on other services, the boarding, insurance, walking, and basically Rover's market is going to grow to roughly $10 billion. So that's a huge, you know, 25% bump year over year, fast growing market. I definitely like this business if I'm just looking at it from an investor perspective, because people have such fond memories of their, of their, of their animals. But to sum it all up, who Rover is for, it's, it's really just for, you know, the, the, the millennials that are now not having children, but saying that their, their animals are their other children. Yeah, they're spending it on something else. Exactly. Yep. Pets are cheaper than kids, man. I, uh, that, you know, that's the unfortunate <laughs> truth. But then who knows? Maybe in the future they won't be. And pets are getting a lot of really cool stuff in tech anyway. So I have a question that I want to pose, which is during COVID, people got a chance to work from home and they got a chance to figure out what the working life is and how you can operate as a remote worker. I'm curious if there's a lot of people that are considering letting their employees work from home, do we feel like it's going to be a big hit to Rover? Because I think one of the main reasons why Rover gets a ton of business is because people have a nine to five. They have to go into the office. They can't have somebody at home watching their dogs. So if there is somebody at home, doesn't that jeopardize Rover's business model? Yeah, I think that's a good point. But maybe the dynamic there, maybe it'll all balance out where these people realize like how much work it is to actually have a pet and so maybe like that's where even if customers are at home they still need someone to to, to walk their dog because they're you know going to be in back-to-back yeah that's fair and are super important so it's, it's a good question to, to to look around is like how does work from home cha- change this but 
um, maybe it maybe it normalizes. Maybe it. I'm just shooting in the dark here. <laughs> no, that's a good point. I didn't think about that because I think if somebody were to come to my house and I was super busy and I wanted somebody to walk Roxy, I'd be more inclined to let them just take Roxy on a quick walk um, and then come back to the house while I'm there instead of like spending you know time at somebody else's house or having them get access into my house. I feel like that's a little bit better of a situation or a scenario that still kind of works if these pet owners are now back at home and able to care for their dogs. And I guess it's similar because before a lot of these tech companies were allowing people to bring dogs into work anyway. So it's not like this problem was going to go away. And I do want to recognize that a lot of the times it's probably tech workers that have a lot of flexibility in their work that can work remote that will be able to forego something like Rover. Whereas people that do need to go in for essential business, like nurses, grocery store workers, blue collar workers, or et cetera, that need to be there in person, they can't really take advantage of this remote work. So they're going to need a service like Rover. But at the same time, it's hard for them to utilize Rover as well because it's kind of cost prohibitive. So yeah, yeah, for sure. There's an interesting space where Rover fits. So I'm just really curious because I'm not saying that they're operating on a nice edge, but I do want to be cognizant of the niche that they're filling and how that's going to change with COVID and how we're going back and returning to work. Totally. I think there's all these like tech dynamics that are like working here. I think we just did iRobot, the robotics company. And I wonder if one day, and this is future Mike talking, (laughs) that (laughs) iRobot will create a dog walking robot similar to the the robot that was walking a dog in in Back to the Future. I don't know if you remember that scene. No, I don't. Um, Yeah. I'm a huge Back to the Future nerd. So that's like a very, it's not a big scene. It's just like in like a pan out where you can see a one subtle thing. Yeah. Yeah. They were, the dog is being walked by a robot, but anyways, it's neither here nor now. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about, um, competitors. Obviously Rover is solving a problem that needs to be solved. Like you mentioned, there's a pretty big total addressable market and a lot of people are really interested in spending money on their pets and they really do love, um, their pets. And so they'll invest in them. So some of the main competitors are WAG, Urban Sitter, Craigslist, there's another company called Sitter, Petco, and Local Pet Boarding. Most of these companies offer some sort of mix or match of what Rover offers. So mm-hmm. either somebody to come to your house and watch your dog, or you bring the dog over to their house, or maybe it's a facility like a pet hotel, or maybe they offer other services like grooming, etc., or they offer other sitting type services. So for example, Urban Sitter is primarily known for babysitting, but they've expanded into pet care as well. So yeah, I think there's like a ton of people that are thinking about this problem, uh, realizing that it's a prime space for competition and people are kind of fighting over market share. Yeah. So I guess I can summer. Yeah. So I guess to start with my thoughts on the product and give it the good old Jeff and Mike review, I haven't used Rover before. Um, I know people that have um, we, we had a grad school project on, on pets. So uh, some of my grad school friends ended up using it. So this is me looking at just like their website and just all of their, I downloaded the app to, to look through. And what I was looking for is, you know, what would make this, what would make me trust this service? Because I think that was my big worry that you had is like, you know, even if the percentage is tiny of something going wrong, it's like the worst case scenario, mm-hmm. you know, where something can go wrong that you're, you can't control. And I actually really liked everything that they did, you know, they have, they mentioned that 95% of their uh, reviews have a a five-star transaction or sorry, 95% of their transactions are five-star transactions. 
um, which is definitely significant. Um, it makes you wonder, like, what's the other 5% yep, or 4%? Yep, that was the first question. <laughs> yeah. Are they four-star reviews? Are they one-star reviews? Like, is it, what does that look like? But when you look at the website, too, just looking at, like, house sitters, it's very much like Airbnb, where you can see, you know, the number of reviews, you can see the star rating, and you can see a, a picture of the dog sitter. And then before you actually make this uh the decision you can actually meet with this person to make sure that you know they're everything that they say that it's not catfishing you to just get, right. get your money to, yeah. to to do this so i really like that part because i think you hit the nail on the head early on with this is that trust is the biggest thing that rover really needs to to sell here and so i'm gonna rate rover like a 3.95 just under four stars just only because i haven't used the product before but i like everything that they they had when i was doing my initial um Initial search and is this would be a product that I would consider if I, if I did have a dog and needed someone to to watch my watch my pupper. Yeah, for sure. I'll jump in here with my thoughts. I think overall I'm pretty similar with what your line of thinking is. For me, the biggest drawback is the trust issue. I have a really hard time trying to figure out if I can just trust some random stranger with my very beloved pet. And you can replace pet with anything else that I you know have emotional investment in. If it was somebody watching my kid or somebody watching. I don't know, maybe it could be like in-home care for elderly. Like, you know, mm -hmm. obviously you want to make sure that that person or animal or whatever is cared for and that you are providing a service that is highly trusted and that there's nothing going to go wrong. You don't want to be that 5% that has a really, really terrible experience, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, and you can't just boil it down into numbers. If it means a death of an animal, then that's devastating. And, it, you know, the rating doesn't even do justice because you totally. can't give a negative score. And like, it's like so heavily weighted if something were, bad were to happen that you should really consider that into the trust score. But yeah, it's like... Good. Oh, so sorry. I was gonna say, like, plus, like, being engineers, like, we both know, like, Six Sigma and like what right. you actually what that what that actually means. Yeah. Is, like, ninety five percent could actually be really terrible. <laughs> it's a metric, you yeah. know. Is like if like if like planes had ninety five percent fatal or uh, survival rates, like, that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's so yeah. Totally. How you define failure is really important here, and failure could mean just like people didn't like it because you didn't like brush their dog every day or it could mean that like unfortunately your dog passed away while being watched by a sitter like th those are very different things and kind of rated the same way so yeah it's really critical to think about how you might build trust on this platform again i think one way is that as people use the platform over time they might be recommending specific sitters and maybe if i knew more people that use rover then i would feel more comfortable signing up and having maybe one specific dog sitter or dog watcher come watch Roxy or help us out. So I think that's where I would definitely need some encouragement before I get on the platform and use it. I don't know much about the pricing, but I'm pretty sure because I know, you know, any sort of dog services are usually costly that mm -hmm. the pricing is going to be expensive. And the fact that they also take another 20% on top means that the sellers need to raise their prices so that they still can make a living uh, or get some sort of specific revenue target that they're trying to achieve with that 20% on top that that Rover needs to take. So that generally raises all the prices. So I'm pretty sure that this isn't super cheap to do. In a pinch, it's probably great. I think you mentioned like $20 for a 30 minute walk. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I mean, like, that's not terrible. But if you do that twice a day, every day for an entire week, or even just the work days, I mean, it, it, it adds up really quickly, right? So we're talking what, $40 a day, 
five days a week. So that's $200 a week. I mean, that's really expensive. It's almost like my grocery bill for the entire month. So it just adds up really, really quickly. I do think that it seems more like a one-off solution. And I would be curious to see if they come up with anything that's more regular or like a subscription plan or maybe- You had to go there, Jeff. We love marketplaces and we love subscription plans on uh, Product Explained. But yeah, overall, like I like the idea. I do think that building services and products for the pet market is a really, really good place. I mean, people just love their pets and they're definitely willing to spend top dollar on their pets. So I think it's a good place. I think it's a good idea. I do want to make sure that I trust the platform and I'm curious to see how Rover is going to solve that problem. Overall, I'd give it a 3.75. Nice. Well, those are our thoughts on Rover, and we'd love to hear from you, our audience. So so feel free to share with us what you think on our Instagram and Twitter accounts. You can find us at ProdX Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X Podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.